and welcome. This is the Close-Up Podcast, the official podcast of the Film Society of Lincoln Center. My name is Michael Kresge. I'm the editorial director of the Film Society, and my special guest today is... Nicholas Rapold, editor-in-chief of Film Comet Magazine. And the reason that Nick is our special guest this week is because we're going to be talking about Film Comment Selects, which starts this Friday, the 23rd of February, and runs through the 27th. It's a very exciting festival. I think that anybody who cares about film and uh, knows anything about cinephile culture would probably agree that this is one of the premier festivals in the country for important films that you may not see anywhere else, um, in New York especially. I think that... You know, you have your New York Film Festival, you have your new directors, new films, but then what about those really, really great films that aren't going to play at those two festivals for whatever ridiculous reason? Um, I think that the selections for this festival happen to be just as daring, if not more so, than uh, perhaps those festivals. But we'll get into that in a second. Yes. I did want to um, let Nick speak. No, <laughs> it's like a lot to, to live talk. up to there. I did want to just say a little bit about how like important I think this festival is and how much it means to me and how over the years I've had so many great experiences here. Like for instance, the first film comment selects that I went to was 2002. And I think that was one of the first. Yeah. Correct? One of if the not first, the, yeah. if not the first official one. Um, and I remember there was a special sidebar on uh, new Japanese cinema. And this was really, really a uh, revelation to me. So this is also when J horror was just kind of becoming a thing. So this is where I first saw, like Pulse and Ring, movies that still terrify me to this day, but which are just great, great films by, um, you know, Kyoshi Kurosawa, Hideko Nakata. And there was a movie by called H-Story. Do you remember this movie, H-Story, by Nobuhiro Suwa? Oh, uh-huh. And Beatrice Dahl was in it. It was kind yeah. of like a rethink of Hiroshima Monomore. Right. Anyway, I just thought that it, it was mind-expanding, all these movies that I saw. And every year with Film Comment Selects, um, there's always something that's going to blow your mind, whether it's a new film or an old film. And it's usually, it's mostly new films, but there's also some older films in here, which you'll be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this year appears to be no different. Yes. Um, I don't know what your experience, Nick, is with Film Comment Selects before you talk about this year. So yeah, no, I also have a, have a real connection with it. And it was definitely a formative experience for me going to Film Comment Selects in the early aughts, those heady days when the millennium was still green this new millennium, I mean, uh, and seeing movies that I, I'm, I, you know, there's some movies I saw where I would have to try to track down what they were exactly. But at the time, they were just these, you know, crazy, crazed experiences, uh, which I'm thankful for having, um, you know, as well as, you know, more recognizable things such as Trouble Every Day. Uh, yes, you know. I saw Trouble Every Day here as well. That's yeah. Right. Oh and of course, now it's a little different the the landscape the cine, cine theater and cinematic landscape it's, you know it's kind of hard to believe that trouble every day would would not you know have, have been shown earlier somewhere else um, but I'm quite happy to have seen it in film comment selects but I, I guess it's a good thing there are lots of places showing the films that film comment selects kind of led, led the way with in, in in New York and stateside in the early aughts so by now I guess the series did such a good job that a lot of these films, do more regularly get get picked up. I mean, of course, I'm kind of glossing over all sorts of distributor changes and and, and history. Um, but uh, yeah, in, in some ways, yeah, a lot of the movies that we used to show uh, are 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 being shown more often now, which is gratifying. But there's still a lot of films that fall through the cracks um, still, and that's kind of our our bread and butter uh, to find films like that. Um, you know, so that's that's. 
good to have that purpose. And and even if some of these films do ultimately find distribution, um, it's unlikely you're going to get to see them on such a big screen. Right. Which is yeah. a really great thing. I mean, I, I remember yeah. seeing Demon Lover here. Demon Lover. Uh, on yeah. the big Walter Reed screen. And it was, for whatever you want to say about that movie, <laughs> it's it, 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 it doesn't uh, take any prisoners. And it pushes it. It's aesthetic as far as it can go. And I think seeing it on the Walter Reed theater screen is very different from where I probably would have had to have seen it, which would be like Cinema Village or something. No offense to Cinema Village, if you're listening. <laughs> Cinema Village is different experience. So so about this year's selection, um, I want, let's start with the obvious place to start, which is this opening night film called right. Life and Nothing More. Yes, uh, Life and Nothing More. I mean, I, mean, I, I think this is... This is maybe a film that w might not have been shown in, in earlier editions of, of Film Comment Selects. Uh, I was just reading a, a very uh, smart write-up of the series that, that was saying it's, com it's a compassionate edition. And uh, I was just thinking that it's kinder and gentler uh, <laughs> this, this year. Maybe the, the violence that is often happening on a formal level, maybe this year is just more happening in, in the content of some of the films and in the lives of some of the characters in the films. And I think this qualifies... Um, life and nothing more qualifies in that regard. It's just a, it, you just stay close with uh, a family um, in Florida, uh, a mother and, and her adolescent son who's just had some you know, problems with crime and she's working really hard and she's sort of getting involved with this guy. And so the three of them are kind of negotiating what's new territory for all of them, you know, She's trying to let herself open up to someone, and the son is trying to get on track himself, but also suspicious of the new person in their lives. And then there's also a cute kid sister. And so it's, it's, it's something that's um, in a kind of social realist mold, um, but it's, it's shot uh, with these very long takes and with, with non-professional actors. So it's, all of that means that you, you really get immersed in the in, in details of the environment and, and of their lives. And they're just these wonderful details of dialogue that I would find it hard to write. You know, it's almost as if that, that, that sort of thing is hard to, uh, to script in a way. Uh, and yeah, it's just that is a moving way to open the series. Uh, and just a different, different way to open it too. I think last year we showed A Woman's Life um, which is good film, maybe a little dour. <laughs> this <laughs> Just a one, bit. this one is not a pick me up, but it's it's maybe yeah. I can't call this one a pick me up. Um, but I just thought it's it's a it's a different way of getting in getting into the series than before. And the filmmaker um, Antonio Mendez Esparza actually had a film in the New York Film Festival main slate That's a right. few, few years back that was very memorable. Yeah, aquí aquí yeah. And he actually said something really nice. Uh, you know, when we when we uh, programmed the film, he he was talking about his own memories of film comment selects actually, and so that he you know he he felt it very gratifying to be in the series that he, you know he himself really liked. So that's always a nice thing as well when you when you know the, I don't know it's like coming back home in a way. Uh, so that's another nice thing about having that film start off the series. And uh, the director, Antonio Mendez Esparza, he will be here in person for, for, um, for a Q&A, um, as, as well as a number of other directors. And he'll also be taking part in a, a free talk right. this weekend. Yes, a free talk. Um, film Comment is going to start a series of free talks. And the, the first one will be in Film Comment Selects uh, on Saturday. Uh, Saturday afternoon, and uh, Antonio will be there. 
the topic is race and representation. Um, it's maybe kind of uh, a continuation of the dialogue that we, we, we had in the New York Film Festival talk. We did uh, the cinema of experience. In fact, I, I might have just, could have just used the you know, phrase cinema of experience because I think in a way that's a nicer way of encompassing things. Um, all the, you know, range of, of, of uh, topics and experiences. Um, so uh, direct, the director of Life and Nothing More will be there. Um, and the director of another film, uh, Hale County This Morning, This Evening, uh, which was a hit at Sundance. Uh, I mean, it won a prize and it was, it's a nonfiction chronicle uh, and just a bit more experimental than many of the documentaries that are shown at Sundance. And just shows another way you can look at lives. And, uh, and, and then finally, we will also have uh, Professor Raquel Gates, uh, who has written extensively about the subject of representation. And so we're very grateful to have all of them there for the panel um, or a live event. I, I, I prefer that to a panel. It just feels more alive. But I'm sure it will be very live and very smart with, with these uh, panelists there. Yeah, no, that sounds terrific. And it's, yeah. um, it's going to be in the amphitheater, which yes, is across. Most of the screenings for the festival are going to be in the Walter Reed. But in the Walter across Reed. the street at the um, Eleanor Bunin Monroe Theater, we have the amphitheater, and that's where this free talk is going to be. So I really do recommend people come to that. It's going to be a really terrific event. Um, I also wanted to talk about, um, well, I want to talk about a lot of these films, but Mrs. Fong... Mrs. Fong, oh yeah. Which is uh, the new documentary by Wong Bing, and by his standards, it's uh, it's a short film. It's a nugget of a movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> his movies are usually so long, but it is feature length. It's, it's gone in a blink minutes. of an eye. Um, this is, um, I'll let uh, you talk about it, Nick, but uh, I did want to say first that I, I saw this film in Toronto last year, and I found it incredibly moving. Maybe the best film I had seen in Toronto last year. Actually, it's a documentary that gets um, intimate with um, a dying woman, but I also don't want to make it sound like it's it's only that. I don't mean only in the sense that that can't be itself be a transcendent experience um, to commune with someone who's passing, but um, the movie just expands from there and it's about so much more. Um, yeah. I just found it to be kind of overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it, it's... It's uh, it's a special, special film and a special look at at, at mortality and, and family and yeah, it really has to be seen to be really fully experienced. I don't know that I can do justice on. It. I mean, Michael, you you wrote about it, and that this is actually a good time to mention that the films that we show are films that we've written about. That's kind of the idea of Film Comet Selects um, that we've tried to to kind of sharpen. That we're showing films that we've written about in you know. Um, articles, festival reports, or otherwise. So uh, instead of just reading about it, you can finally see them. And Mrs. Fong, you know, I, I guess maybe it's not the most marketable movie. Like there's no distributor who's saying, this is going to be hot. It's um, not a sexy film. It's not a sexy film, um, but it's a necessary film. And it's and it's in a kind of transcendent way, a, a beautiful film, as, as difficult as the material is. Um, you know, it's centering on a matriarch, a kind of a grandmother, as she is as she is passing on and and it finds ways that are both uh, hyper realist but also kind of metaphorical um, to to approach this um, and yeah that's definitely something to see and Wang Bing somehow has kind of become a, a standby filmmaker that we support um, again I, I I guess that's just because 
Um, I don't know why. It just doesn't seem to fall into other festival slots somehow. Um, but that I'm more than happy, you know, to to uh, support him and uh, his work. And uh, I just want to mention he did a really good interview um, with us about it earlier films, but it's worth looking up uh, on the Film Comet website, uh, Wang Bing. Um, so yeah, very happy and honored to show his latest work. There's also a pretty great essay written by Andrew Chan. Oh, that we sure. Had yeah, last, even earlier. I think yeah. last or in mid-2016, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. Um, it might yeah. have been the July-August issue of 2016. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, Andrew Chan, who's a wonderful writer, as any reader of Film Comment knows, um, wrote a pretty um, definitive piece on his work. Yeah, definitive, and I can say pretty confidently the most beautiful thing that has been written about Wang Bing because he f- finds a way of talking about him that isn't just long-take realism, da-da-da, you know, it, it's... Uh, unflinching. I, I don't even know if he uses the word unflinching. You know, he finds just really uh, living language and and beautiful language to to talk about these about uh, his work. Yeah, and can we just just as a side note talk about that for a second and the importance of beautiful language and great <laughs> writing? Yeah, um, because it's not just as far as I'm concerned, it's not just um, a series of films that are programmed by you know the editors of a magazine. It's 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 uh, it's a way of um, getting at like the core of what a movie is through writing. And then that's what writing should be. And I think a film comment is a holdout that way. I think there's, um, uh, you know, th- there's a may- maybe a bit of a lost art f- to film criticism the, with the ascendant or, uh, or with the proliferation of voices. We all like the democratization of the web, but um, film comment really is a holdout in that way. It really believes in the beauty of the writing and the importance of words and as in a way to express cinema. And I think that the films here reflect that. And I think they should continue to, which is really just my way of saying everybody has to read film comments. <laughs> I guess. Well, I can get behind that, but, uh, but I, I mean, I, 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 I do agree that, you know, that's really important to us. And the, just the most basic way I phrase it in my head is if you want to describe something new, something, some film that's new, you're going to have to find fresh language for it and creative language and beautiful language for it. Um, if you use the same ways of talking about things that you always do, you're really not going to get at, at the core of a film. So, yeah, definitely a priority. Right. You're not, you're not going to read about any of these films with a sentence that would say, its Oscar chances are, <laughs> you know, 56%. I mean, that's just not, it, 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 it doesn't um, fall back on those sorts of cliches. That said, that's it. There is an Oscar-nominated film. Oh goodness! Yeah, <laughs> see that, how I'm working on these segues. Yes, well, it's yes, it's quite deft. Um, um, but there is, and actually, uh, it's it's uh, it's a film that will not be screened theatrically elsewhere before the Academy Awards for, for the public, I believe. Um, it, not in New York. In New York, for sure. Yeah. Um, yes, this is true. This is another selection that's maybe a new kind of selection for, for Film Comet. Um, but obviously, uh, Netflix has become, you know, an interesting player to watch. Uh, and one of the things they've done in the past year is snap up some foreign language films. Uh, and one of these is On Body and Soul, uh, which won the top prize at Berlin last year and uh, subsequently uh, was picked up by, by Netflix. And they've held on to it, as I guess is sometimes their want. Um, but they did let us um, show it. They're letting us show it on screen. And 
This is a movie that I, I like to think maybe kind of broadens the emotional range of film comment selects a little, which maybe sometimes is associated with a kind of dour <laughs> outlook. Um, and there's def- definitely element of that, but in some ways this is more of a, uh, a bit more of a kind of m- mainstream than, than other films. But this, that's not to say it is all typical. The director, Il- Ildiko Enyedi, um is you know, Hungarian filmmaker making movies for decades. And she just takes such care with color, uh, the composition and pacing. And did an interview with her a month ago where uh, she talks about all this. So this is, that's online. You can read about it. Uh, this is, I mean, what I mean by mainstream is it's, it's a romance about two loners who work at a, at a, at a slaughterhouse. And there is certain, like, there's a certain, you know, oddball factor there, but uh, again, I have to kind of quote the same critic who I might have quoted earlier about the compassion aspect of the series. Uh, she has she pays an obsessive attention uh, to people's frailties in the film, and I think that's a really um, observant um, thing to say. Uh, and that kind of um, yeah balances out other things in it that you might feel are more conventional or more or standard. Uh, but above all, it'll look great on the big screen. So that is um, on body and soul. And we, the reason we're mentioning it, I guess, the segue was that it's an awards contender of all things, which maybe is a first <laughs> for Full Comet Selects. I don't well, know. That's just except for the Hurt Locker. Except for the Hurt Locker, back of course, in 2009. which went on to win, uh, right, the top prize, top, top of top prize. Uh, this one uh, on Body and Soul is nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, uh, and that's from uh, from from Hungary. Um, I, I won't speculate on its chances because we don't. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> we refuse to do that. This is not the that. Oscar special this is not podcast. The Oscar special. Though, of course, we watch them and, and we we'll accept bets, about them. of course. For... <laughs> um, well, I'm very excited to see it. I've been waiting to watch it. It's one of those movies that, um, just because I love the theatrical experience so much, I, it's one of those movies that I know I could see whenever I want, but I refuse to watch it because I'm going right. to watch it on the big screen. Right. That's how movies are meant to be seen. <laughs> we're turning. <laughs> Am to, I wrong with that? No, I agree. We're, we're turning. Where are the Two, two grumpy old men of cinema here. <laughs> I know. And I was actually going to make the point earlier when you said it's more of a kinder, gentler film com. And I was going to, I was going to make a point about how that's terrific because these days, <laughs> the kids these days, <laughs> I mean, every, I mean, it is to a certain extent. I mean, you know, you go on social media. I mean, what's happening is I don't think that you need to necessarily shake things up as much maybe as you felt like you had to 10 years ago. Things are shaken up just enough. I, 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 need, <laughs> I need to have like, a, you know, competent people presenting me with coherent <laughs> art. Right. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, less shaking up, more picking up pieces. <laughs> but one of the films in, in the series it does shake things up a bit, um, Wild Boys. Wild Boys, Wild Boys, yeah. Uh, I'm glad we're we're getting getting to Wild Boys. It's um, just because it really seems to be something that in, you know people previewing the series are responding to, uh, and I think people have a lot of fun with this. And I, I you know, we did put it in a later slot on Saturday because you know a kind of later Saturday night fun slot. Uh, Wild Boys is uh, the feature debut of Bertrand um, Mondico, who actually has shown his shorts short films, I mean, in uh, New York a little bit. and But this film uh, wasn't on the way to New York, as far as I know. Uh, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a bizarre, uh, I guess, queer fantasia or gender-bending fantasia uh, about these kids who are exiled to an island 
uh, and then um, they proceed to have their genders changed. Uh, and it's really hard to describe what happens. And the the island is full of strangely shaped vegetation. <laughs> um, it is, uh, yeah, genuinely. This is the film that I, I, I'm probably talking about. The sort of film I'm probably talking about when it, you know, of what I saw like you know 15 years ago that was just like, what was that? Um, um, but uh, people are, like I said, people have been enjoying it, just previewing it. So I, I really hope everyone comes out to see it. And again, this will look really cool on the big screen. Um, uh, and just just a, a filmmaker who's really kind of pulling out all the stops uh, in, in you know, angles and lenses. Uh, and um, uh, so it's, it's, yeah, definitely something you want to come out to see. And he's, he's got kind of a Guy Madden quality. Right. Yeah. I was, I was postponing that, uh, just cause I wanted to give him, uh, his, his own, his, his credit, but he's definitely Guy Madden quality. And another touchstone is, uh, Valerian Borovchik. His first film has some points in common being set on an Island where craziness occurs. Um, but that's another touchstone, but I think definitely, um, Bertram Mondico, he's standing on his own two feet. Uh, and this was a film that, um, I haven't really been mentioning where the films have come from. This one was shown in Venice and in, in a critic sidebar that really is generally totally ignored in coverage of that festival. Um, and so it's nice to see it survive to this point that we can show it. And that often is the case where you've, you've seen these films at different festivals around the world and you just felt like you really wanted to show them to new right. audiences. That's Was that right. the case with Sarah Plays a Werewolf as well? Yes, although I think that one I might have seen down the line a little. Sarah Plays a Werewolf is, that's another very intense film, very differently intense. It's you just kind of get right into the headspace of a, of a, of a teenager who's a, a drama student and she's uh, just, it's, yeah, it's hard to describe. She's just totally passionate about theater, totally passionate about life and, and things are kind of starting to blur in terms of the emotions that she's putting out there. Um, and she's, she's, I don't want to say overwrought because I think all of her reactions are pretty understandable when, when you see her movie or a lot of them. Um, so it's just, it's about a movie that just kind of, um, completely lets, lets those feelings, lets her vent those feelings. Um, and it's not like it's playing a lot with artifice too much. It's not Rivedian or something. There's not some nice, uh, you know, dream world ludic aspect to it, particularly it's, it's just really about her. I mean, that's my interpretation of it, but, and the lead actress whose name I'm, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Lone Baltazar or Lone Baltazar. Uh, she is pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, she, I, it's part of the time she looks like she's in genuine distress <laughs> in these, just because of how much she's giving herself over to the role. Um, and, but in the same time, it's a, it's a strangely kind of small feeling film because it's, it's about her life between school and between home and her family with her really controlling father. So it's just another thing that, we just, I just feel we'll get lost otherwise, so I'm glad to show it. And we're also very fortunate that the filmmaker will be here to talk about it. So that's another great thing through the good graces of the uh, Swiss consulate and uh, Swiss film. And that's uh, Katerina Weiss? Katerina, Katerina Weiss, unless it's Katerina Viss. But uh, the director will be here. <laughs> we're going to choose one of those. <laughs> 
Katerina Viss. Katerina Viss. She made the Swiss ladybird. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> it's it's a, coming, all coming of age stories are the same. <laughs> but that, I, but that's actually, I mean, that's really interesting to bring up ladybird. I mean, it is a totally different take on a coming of age story um, where, where it's really going, it's really, you kind of have to live inside those emotions. Whereas something like ladybird, just a different approach. It's it, it's almost more like episodic in a way. Um, and then the family, another film about families. Family. Yeah, it's another documentary. <laughs> but it's a, it's a yeah. maybe even grimmer. Yeah, that's I mean it's it's it that's another one that's where another kind of close up chronicle of a family going through challenges and, and traumas. And it's a Slovenian director. Um, you know, another nice thing about this series is that I can, you know, talk about uh, movies that are an Oscar nomination right next to a Slovenian film that might get lost if it was shown in some, uh, some giant documentary series um, or, or otherwise. Uh, so it's nice to put them side by side. And it was shot over several years. Uh, so it's, that's another one the filmmaker will be there, um, which I think will be special because he'll really be able to talk about how he got to know um, this, this family where it's, yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> but uh, it's worth seeing. So, um, and then in terms of um, the new films, the premieres, there's one more film in the, I'm going to call it the main slate, <laughs> the film <laughs> comment selects main slate, um, and that's Gutland. And this actually features, I know this is something we have to say because Phantom Thread is such a big deal right now, but uh, Vicky Creeps, Vicky star Creeps. Phantom Thread is actually in this film. She is in Gutland. Um, uh, she is, I guess, you, she, I guess she's the... The, uh, uh, yeah, she's the love interest of the main character, who is a German who comes to, um, I guess it's Luxembourg, I want to say. Uh, he comes to a small village, uh, and you don't, he's, he's like a strange visitor, and he, he gets, tries to get jobs working for farms in their seasonal harvest. Uh, and then he immediately kind of gets enmeshed in the village's um, you know, power structure. And, and Vicky Creeps is... is kind of takes a liking to him she she is a she is first introduced as a as a um, beer garden waitress in in full regalia and um Very similar to how she's introduced in fan that's interesting a, she, she was, comes on as a as a as a um hotel waitress hotel waitress right uh and so they they kind of strike up a connection uh and it's just because apparent that there is a bit more than meets the eye um, going on in the village and in this guy's life also. Um, this is, it's, it's, this is a very much a slow burn movie. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, and it's not like a, a really, really over the top village, small town life satire or something. It's, it's just a kind of a slow burn about him, um, getting used to being there, being the outsider, slowly, slowly, you know, working his way to the inside. Um, and the actor whose name I'm blanking on, who's the, the the main the protagonist he just has a, a remarkable face just has this dent in the side of his nose which you can't look away from and he 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 just undergoes an evolution in the film of kind of coming to his own and just uh, you know a sense of self-awareness um so it's that's that's another that's another one that you that you know I actually I give credit to one of our writers for 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 cluing me into um yeah. It's Jose Teodoro. Jose Teodoro. 
Uh, wrote a really phenomenal piece on Zama, I have to say, because when you were you were just talking about movies that were slow burns, oh and my yeah. mind immediately went to Zama. To Zama, yeah. It was Lucretia Martel's film, um, which yeah. was in the New York Film Festival last year. But um, yeah, he, this, he wrote an amazing piece on that. But he did. I, when I think of slow burn, I think of Zama. Yeah, this is this is yeah different, but definitely a stranger in a strange land. Well, I also wanted to move on to the other very important part of any film comment select series and particularly this year, which are the, um, the revivals and retrospectives, I guess we could say. And we have an amazing, uh, retrospective, a pretty major one, I think this year. Um, and that is, uh, Nico Papatakis. Nico Papatakis. Uh, yeah, I I think sometimes with the revivals, sometimes we'll have like one-offs or like a sidebar here and there. Um, in this case, we kind of wanted to go all in with Nico Papatakis and just show his features, uh, which as, as in a group, they really haven't been shown like this, um, in, I don't know, my recent or living memory, um, you know, one or two maybe. Um, so we're showing Nico Papatakis' features, and he's uh, he's just an interesting um, an interesting figure in the usual like uh, art house canon narrative. Uh, he's made a film, almost a film a decade, uh, you know, in the '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, um, and it's he's hard to he's kind of hard to categorize. He's uh, he's a you know maybe someone like Marco Ferreri might be one kind of point of reference uh um he he you know i mean starting with les abis uh, which is kind of reworking of uh Genet's the maids uh he just made these very elemental and sometimes confrontational you know hardcore art cinema uh with uh varying levels of uh, political commentary or you know in the case of something like gloria mundi uh just uh of real like radical drama just keying into um the uh radical struggles at the time so uh, i think visually they're also great to see and these are restorations i should mention that so yeah it's a special series uh he's thought of often as a provocateur yeah, is that, provocateur. Is a fair, a fair word yes. to use for him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's totally fair. It's an overused term, so I wanted no. to make sure. They, I mean, this I think, certainly it I seems think to be the true. case here. Yeah, I think it's true, and and I think this is a point that uh, Yanja Talu, uh, one of our critics, makes in her essay that, you know, I mean, he 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 has a very interesting background. He comes from a kind of a complicated parentage, and as and just kind of carried around a sense of an exile with him wherever he was in a way, um, e- even in just his approach to, to, um, to material. And he worked out of France and had a, a period in New York where he actually helped fund Cassavetes' shadows. I think he just kind of, he, he held up a standard of, um, of art cinema that, yeah, compared to Marco Ferreri or Bunuel, even though he didn't like to be compared like that, <laughs> but you have to kind of get your bearing somehow. And yeah, they are, I'm not going to say that these are like totally easy films uh, to watch and nor should they be, you know. Um, I mean, Jean Genet's The, the Maids, which Les Abyss is, is based on, is certainly like uh, the, the kind of text that keeps giving. It was also adapted into Claude Chabral's La Ceremonie. Right, yeah. And um, I guess Murderous Maids is based on a thing that it's not right. really based on Genet, but it's based, yeah. it's like that kind of, it's like a perfect class allegory. Yeah, um, that just you know is adaptable to 
any era. Yeah, and, and all of his films, I think, have have that kind of class awareness embedded in them. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, and you know, we're glad to show all the films, and I think yeah, this is the first time you'll be able to see all of them uh, together. So yeah, we're grateful for that. And we have special guests coming to introduce. Oh yes, of films. course. I uh, we are also very fortunate. Uh, to have a special expert introduction who will be more eloquent than I have been. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum, who, you know, needs no introduction. And um, we've also been fortunate to have him contribute to the magazine a lot. Uh, and he will be introducing uh, a number of the films that he uh, has a particular, um, you know, interest in. So that includes uh, Les Abysses on our opening night. So definitely come out, come out for that. I'm very excited about the Papatakis films. These are since publishing that um, that essay by Yanja that you talked about, by Yanja Talu last year. It's it, it was the kind of writing that made everything so vivid that you just had to see these movies. It was one of those things where you read that article and you had to see those movies. So I yeah. defy anyone <laughs> to read that essay and then not come yeah. see these. And actually, that essay we have reproduced in our brochure that you will get for free when you come to film comment select so it it gives a lot of uh, great background on papatakis so you can learn everything you'd need to know yeah and and great thanks to uh, manuela papatakis uh who uh, you know heads her uh, father's legacy and has been a great help and encouragement in, in in making this happen um, and I also, there's one other older film, there's a revival film that is um, in the series. It's the 25th anniversary screening um, of Silver Lake Life, The View From Here, a documentary. Um, so if you could talk a little bit about the motivation for putting that in this year's selection and also about the film. This is a, as a another tough film. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like <laughs> these are all larks. I know, I, know, I started out not, saying this is kinder and gentler. I mean, it's definitely compassionate. It's another film that's, that it's kind of the work of compassion in, in a sense that you, yeah, you, it's, it's, it's about a couple, uh, I programmed this film because I, I guess I, 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 maybe I was naive about, I was naive about it not being as well remembered for some reason. I, I thought I'd program it and everyone would be like, oh, well, obviously, or someone would even have programmed it already for this year. Cause it's the 25th anniversary. Um, but then I, I don't know, people are just like, Oh, this was being forgotten. <laughs> so, so I'm quite glad. Yeah, it's it's kind of an essential. It's essential. It's just an essential his, historic document in a way. It's just an essential document of you know the 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 kind of right after peak years or peak years of, of the AIDS crisis, a couple dealing with the the ravages of of that of that disease. And it's a film. It's not a film. It's video. That's a big part of it, uh, that it, it really makes you kind of engage with the reality of, of watching what, what the illness does, but, but, but um, also the intimacy that video can give and the, the just kind of, um, I don't know, unabashedness of it. Or, or un, um, There's just something about like very raw feeling video, I guess because it kind of evokes home video. That's, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and that's, so you get all of that in this. Um, and maybe that's why people haven't shown it. I mean, it's it's not the most beautiful looking f- movie. I did have one or two people who said, "Oh, are you sure you want to show this? The only thing we can show is video." And I thought, I I thought I thought that was the point. Um, so you know, we're but I, yeah, I'm I'm really glad to show it. And the kind of um, I should say the other impetus for this is that it came up 
this past year in Film Comment. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to show things we wrote about. In this case, it's something that uh, we talked about um, because uh, we, it, I did an interview with Robin Campillo about BPM, Beats Per Minute, uh, the kind of unjustly overlooked uh, movie about uh, you know AIDS activism in 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 Paris in the early mid '90s, um, and in the interview I asked him about like precursors to his movie or predecessors and what he looked to. How did he think about telling the story of this period? And one of the movies he immediately talked about was Silver Lake Life. So you know. That's that's just it. Just shows you how much a part of it is in, in people's memory and people's cinematic memory as well, and also just its reach because you know this is a uh, Paris, you know, a f- French filmmaker, and this is something that's also important to him. So that that was so I we quote him in our blurb what he said in that interview about uh, about Silver Lake Life. So that's another interesting thing, and then you know another interesting capstone to this is that this movie actually won the grand jury prize at Sundance when, when it showed there. Um, so different times. <laughs> right. An um, unadorned, completely yeah. immediate, completely intimate video. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, that's what makes it, yeah. so, I mean, so powerful. And this is, and I think that's also speaks to the um, response that it's been getting when, that you've been showing it again in this festival. It's the kind of thing that it's almost like it exists in people's minds. It's like, yeah. It, 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 it that it's such an overwhelming experience and that it has yeah. such an amazing singular texture to it. It, it, it can yeah. only have existed in that period, both yeah. aesthetically and for what's on that's, screen. Yeah, that's right. That's what I mean. Uh, it can yeah. never be repeated, thankfully. Right. Um, and it's it's just something that, it, it's a queer landmark. It's a landmark film yeah. and it should be experienced together. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a communal experience. And and just an experience of of of, of reality in a way. I, I mean, this is a gross generalization, but I feel like this is the sort of movie. I feel like one one human trend is that we get detached from the actual lived experience of things. You know, I can blame whatever social media or internet, but this is this is a movie that doesn't let you do that. And uh, it's it's a movie that you just yeah you are you are right you are right there. Um, so very yeah very proud to be showing it. Yeah, and I can really recommend a piece that Melissa Anderson wrote uh, for four columns uh, about this film, although other people are also writing about it, I know. And um, this, we will have a special introduction for this film, which we're very happy to have. Um, uh, Leslie Kleinberg, the uh, executive director of the Film Society, uh, who is a documentarian, um, who, uh, you know, has made a documentary that obviously includes this uh, she will be introducing the film, so uh, yet another reason to come out. Yeah, uh, just the, what you were saying, just the, it's a film that when you're watching it, you are there with it. And I think that that's really all you can ask of any great art. And I'm sure that's true of all of these films. Yes, that are in this, I hope in so. This series. <laughs> um, I think it's a, it's a really exciting lineup, and um, thanks for going through it with me. Well, thank you, Michael, for spending all the time on it. I appreciate it, and I, and I hope everyone will, will come out because, you know, we have more filmmakers than ever, than, than uh, well, than at last year at least. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's good to come and experience the films and, and the people who made them.
Hi, everybody who's listening. I hope that we'll see you for Film Comment Selects. Again, the dates are February 23rd to the 27th here at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. And as I said earlier, they're mostly screening in the Walter Reed Theater. Um, and then we have the free talk across the street. Um, but uh, check our website to keep up to date on if there are any changes in the schedule, though we don't suspect there will be. But um, check online for scheduling information and um, we'll see you there. See you at the movies. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thank you. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.